What is going on, friends and fans? We've got a great show straight ahead for you this month. I'm going to be digging in deep on the 1 to 10 close. How do you start a meeting, but then how do you end a sales meeting with a client really, really strong? You know, it's kind of like a couple couple awkward moments, like how do you start the meeting, and then how do you ask for the order, because that's something that's really, really important. All right, then we're going to dig into programmatic and your core strategies selling programmatic and we're going to do that with charity hub from january spring and then of course we've got mike obert from open look and we're talking about your listener questions sent in to ryan at ryandoran.com eric from idaho uh, wants to know he's got a lot of clients wanting to bring up covid and politics like what does he do sharon from baltimore great question on how much of a break do we give clients between prospecting blitzes and then we've got david from spokane he really wants to talk about the perfect meeting format. And we're going to dig in, David, on that next. So, friends, we've got great information. We've got so much straight ahead. Stick around. Stay close. This is the Ad Sales Nation podcast, and it is next. From the Brainswell Media Studios, welcome to Ad Sales Nation with your host, Ryan Dorn. Each month, Ryan digs deep on the issues and challenges facing media salespeople like you every day. Ryan is a 28-year media veteran, an Emmy winner, a sales coach, and he still sells media every day just like you. Now, your host, your coach, your fellow media sales warrior, Ryan Dorn. Thank you, Deborah. Hey, friends and fans. How are you? we got a great show for you uh, this month, and uh, just recovering. Wow, just getting back from uh, Denver and the Niche Media Conference. We had 220 media professionals uh, at the conference out there in Denver, and we just couldn't have done that show and couldn't do this show and all the things that we do without your support. So thank you so very uh, much for that. Yeah, we're going to be um, uh, back uh, with the Niche Media Conference April 6th through 8th in Washington, D.C. So we've got... Uh, a tour lined up down the Potomac River, a lighted monument tour. We've got 30 sessions uh, all about media, media sales, revenue growth, editorial, you name it. So head over to nichemediaevents.com is where you will find that. All right. So what I wanted to dig in on is going to be based a little bit on a question that was sent in to Ryan at ryandoran.com from David in Spokane talking about is there a, a perfect meeting format to use? So we'll dig in on that when we talk to Mike Obert here um, in a couple seconds when we dial him in uh, from Dallas. But what I want to talk to you about today is what I'm referring to as the 1 to 10 sales close. So there's two points of every sales call that are usually a little bit awkward, mildly awkward, I would say. Most salespeople would say that the beginning and the end of every scheduled sales call with a prospective client presents a unique set of challenges. At the beginning of the sales call, we're trying to figure out how to quickly connect to build rapport with the customer, right? And at the end of the sales call, we have to get them to let loose of their purse strings, so to speak, and give us some money. So even the most seasoned sales pro is going to tell you that without a plan, without practice, this awkward situation, it actually will just continue to repeat itself for years and years and years. So what I want to do is really dig deep on this issue and, and make a positive change uh, to our sales lives because of the podcast and because of your willingness to make a change. So here's what I would love for you to consider. Would you consider creating a repeatable pattern of success as it relates to closing more deals, having a better way of asking for the order? If you're willing to do that today, I think I can help you get further faster. Okay, so let's dig in. If you've ever spoken to a long distance runner, not me. <laughs> They're going to tell you that the way you begin the race, 
sets a precedent for the way that you're probably going to end the race. So if you start the race too fast, you may not have enough gas to win in the end. Save all of your gas for the end of the race, and you might just be too far behind the pace setter to close the gap and potentially win the race. Now, I think we all would agree that there is way more to running a marathon or a race than just the beginning and the end of the race. But it does give us a scenario that we can potentially use as an example to build as we explore our client meetings and how to start them and end them quite successfully. Now, we might take away from the marathon runner example um, is if you want to end the race strong, you want to start the race strong or in a very smart way. Okay, uh, another example. Let's take a look for a minute at great storytelling. We know that every great story needs three components, a beginning, a middle, and an end. We need to start the story strongly by giving the reader a compelling reason why they should keep reading. Then, if as a reader you get to the end of the book and it doesn't end in a way that's dramatic, you know, sometimes you feel like you've wasted your time, maybe, in reading the book, or maybe the ending of the book is lackluster, just kind of lets you down. Well, just like the racing example, there's a lot more in between those pages, between the beginning and the end, but you can see that there's some similarity between the two, and I think it applies to sales and, and a lot of things that we do in life. If you start your marriage strong, you might just end your marriage real strong. There's a lot of components in between, obviously, but there's a lot of similarities. <laughs> As a media sales marketing pro for 30-some-odd for years, I think all of these examples really help us understand that we need to create a plan. Okay, to make sure that we start our sales calls strong, we end them strong and we really don't want to be lopsided like we don't want to have a better beginning or a better ending. We should be well practiced and really understand that if we start it strong, we're probably going to finish strong. So how do we set ourselves up for success? How do we create a repeatable pattern of success? So I'd like to suggest that we start with the end. Okay, so what is the one thing that nearly every sales manager, ad director, vice president of sales, whatever, asks us to do on a regular basis. They want us to ask for the order, right? Yet, asking for the order can be really one of the most awkward situations, even for veteran salespeople like all of us. And why is that? Because it's the one point in the conversation where we have to move into sort of, if you will, quote unquote, sales mode. Well, I mean, do we really need to move into sales mode? I think that's kind of a question. I don't see the end of the sales call where you ask for the order as a yes or no type of question or a yes or no kind of situation. Sometimes I can tell that a potential buyer is ready to go, ready to buy, and it's kind of easy to move them on to the next step. I would say that the majority of the time, they're holding back some of their cards, and I truly don't know exactly what it is they're thinking. And I'm, I mean, I think I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> Even in the middle of the sales call, when I ask some really great questions, I just don't always know exactly what they're thinking. So what I need is I need a little more engagement. You follow me? I need I need something more from them. I can't just say, do you want to buy? Are you ready to roll? What would get you to sign on the dotted line today? At the end of the sales call, if I ask a yes or no question, I'm probably going to get the dreaded, well, you know, I, I like it. Uh, let me think about it. Ah, Well, let me think about it. I suppose that's better than a no, I guess. Or is it? <laughs> a potential client telling you that they need to think about it is kind of an awkward way to end the sales call. So do they really need to think about it? I think that's a question to ask. Or are they just telling us, you know, um, well, you know, they just are they not telling us no because we're a nice person, maybe? Or do they just hate saying no? That's pretty common. 
or are they afraid that if they say no, that we're going to go into a desperate sales rant to save the deal? I think all of these kind of questions are fair. These questions over the course of time have really led me to what I refer to as my one to 10 close. My one to 10 close is really easy and I've tried it hundreds of times and it works the vast majority of the time. The one to 10 close is an easy way to ask for the order, but then also engage more deeply with the client. Okay, so how does it sound? It sounds something like this, like, Bonnie, thanks so much for the opportunity to meet with you today. I think this has been a really great conversation. If you don't mind me asking on a scale of one to 10, one meaning you're really not that interested and 10, you're ready to write me a check like right now. Where are you at? The one to 10 closing technique, what it does is it allows me to re-engage more deeply with the customer and really see where their mind is at and where they are on that scale of one to 10, 10 being they're going to buy one that are really not that interested. So if a client says to me, they're a five, fair enough, they're 50, 50. So I've got a 50, 50 chance. Then I would simply ask them, Hey, what could I do? Or what can I say? Or what questions could I answer that might get you a little bit closer to a six or a seven or an eight? If someone says they're a five, Okay, it tells me they're 50 50. I get a 50 50 chance. I don't like those odds. I mean, in Vegas, I mean, 50 50 odds, not bad. Okay, but I only have a 50 percent chance of closing the deal. So if I'd not used the one to 10 closing technique, I would bet that they would have probably said they need to think about it, which to me means maybe a no because they're right on the edge. There's got to be a way for me to engage more deeply with them. What could I do? What could I say? What could I answer for you that might get you to more like a, you know, a six? you know, or a seven. What if they said, I'm a three? I think my response would be, thank you for telling me that. You know, what could I say or what could I do? What questions could I answer that might get you to be more of like a a, a five? Now, remember, friends, if they're a three, that means they're below the 50% chance of closing them, which means it's more like a 70% chance they're not going to (laughs) buy. So you went from 50-50 So like a 70% chance that they're not going to close the deal when they're at a three. Got to think of it a little bit backwards. Well, a three to me, I'd rather know the three and talk through it and try to push them towards 50-50 because at a three, you're probably going to lose the deal. Probably. They're just not telling you no because like you're a nice person or they don't like saying no or whatever the circumstance is. What's interesting to me is the number of times that When I press for more during the closing process, I soon realize that the client just doesn't want to say no to me, like, because I'm a really nice guy. You're a really nice person or they don't want to hurt my feelings. Or once again, just a reminder, they're afraid to say no because they're afraid you're going to jump back down their throat and try to desperately sell them at the last second to try to save the deal. Now, the one to 10 close has been extremely successful. As a matter of fact, I had a guy the other day said to me, you know, I like that. As a closing technique, I'm going to tell my sales team about that. Very rarely does it backfire. As a matter of fact, it's, it's a lot more, it's a way to get more engagement. And I think it's a great way to end the sales call. Okay, now let's talk about the beginning of the sales call. It's pretty straightforward for me. I don't like to start with baloney. I like to start strong. I first validate time. Thanks, Bonnie, for the 20 minutes. Do you still have 20 minutes? Then I set my three-point agenda, make sure they agree on the agenda. Then I share my success stories, ask some great questions, answer their questions, present ideas, and then there I've got to my one to 10 close. But I feel like if you start with a bunch of bologna, you're building a bologna sandwich, so you're going to, which are not all that tasty in my opinion, and then you're going to be ending with the end of the bologna sandwich. 
I would much prefer to start the, the sales call really strong and end the sales call really strong. And I don't want to start with a bunch of baloney, like fake rapport building. Instead, it's very straightforward. Hey, thanks, Bonnie, for the 20 minutes. Do you still have 20 minutes? Great. That's awesome. Here's what I'd love to cover with you today. And I feel like this cut to the chase format, it doesn't lack sincerity. Um, what it does, it just kind of, you're saving people time. And I think people like it. You know, friends, being great in sales is all about creating repeatable patterns of success. That's it. You've heard me talk about the Tom Brady principle. And those that listen to the podcast a lot know that I'm a Bears fan. So I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a Tom Brady fan, but I am a, a fan of being a winner. <laughs> and he's a winner because he identifies things that work and he repeats them. He identifies things that don't work and he doesn't repeat them. So let me ask you this. What's your prospecting process and how do you repeat success? What are the questions that you ask most often in sales calls and what do you do to repeat success? What are the success stories that you tell? How do they work and what do you do to repeat success? What is your closing technique and what are you doing to every time you're closing out a meeting, do the best of your ability to close it out strong and repeat success? In today's emotional sales environment, we can't do what we've always done. If you keep selling things the way you always sold them, you're probably going to get what you always got and probably that's not enough to keep your job. What you did in the past may not get you to where you need to go in the future. Now, I'm a traditionalist. I really am as a person. I love traditions. But growing in sales is about adjusting. It's about making changes that should benefit you. So the real question is this. Are you willing to adjust to close more deals? Or are you going to be that person that just keeps redefining insanity on a daily basis? Don't do that. You're better than that. Don't forget, friends. If sales was an easy job, if ad sales was an easy job, if selling insurance was an easy job, I mean, everybody be doing it. If sales was easy, everybody be doing it. And they're not. I used to say we're crazy. We're not crazy. Friends, we are the chosen few, and we found careers that will feed our families for a lifetime. Hey, I hope that's helpful to you. Try the 1 to 10 closing technique. I think it will work awesome for you as well. All right, digital sales strategy with Charity Huff. That's going to be next. Then we're going to answer your listener questions. So everybody, dial in Mike Ober, dial in Charity. They're going to be next on the show. And I'd be a pretty terrible sales coach if I didn't have a few sponsors. So would you do me a favor? Just listen on here for the next 35 seconds. Let me pay some bills and we'll be back with more of the show coming up next. The Ad Sales Nation podcast with Ryan Dorn is brought to you in part by the strategy and design team at Web Publisher Pro. When it's time for your media company to have a top-notch website that is designed for optimal revenue potential, Turn to David and the creative team at Web Publisher Pro. Learn more online at webpublisherpro.com. Thank you to the team over at Open Look Business Solutions. Outsource sales tasks, data cleanup, telemarketing, design tasks, or hire a virtual assistant. Reach out to Mike at open-look.com. That's open-look.com. Thank you to the fine folks at January Spring. If you are looking to grow revenue by offering white-label digital services like SEO, social media, or programmatic ads, reach out to Charity over at JanuarySpring.com. Charity loves to strategize about growing revenue. You sell it and January Spring fulfills it. Learn more online at JanuarySpring.com. Okay, now back to the show. Here's your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. All right, friends, welcome back to the show. And uh, thanks so much for letting me pay some bills there. Sure appreciate that. Hey, love to have you join us April 6th through 8th of next year. That's the Niche Media Conference. 30 sessions, five different keynotes, a party on the Potomac. It's in Washington, D.C. April 6th through 8th, nichemediaevents.com is the website. Niche 
www.mediaevents.com. And be sure when you check out uh, during the checkout, use the promo code podcast and that will save you a hundred bucks. So that's April 6th through 8th, the niche media conference for publishers, salespeople, editorial, designers, digital audience folks, April 6th through 8th, nichemediaevents.com. We will see you in Washington, D.C. All right, friends and fans, continuing on with the podcast. And one of my favorite parts of the show is when we dial in my friend Charity Huff from January Spring out in Denver. And uh, speaking of Denver, Charity, just um, in your hometown for the Super Niche Conference, which was a big success. What did you think? Congratulations. It was so much fun to finally see everybody, hang out, show off my beautiful city, and uh, really get to spend some time with our niche friends. So thank you for coming out our way. Yeah, it was great. Um, 220 uh, publishers and media professionals all gathering together and uh, in a safe environment, lots of networking, and um, looking forward to uh, getting together again April of 2022. Um, in the capital of uh, Washington, D.C., which is going to be a ton of fun. Hey, you know, um, so we did, um, I imagine that um, there was just a lot of conversation uh, out there about remarketing and getting these core audiences taken care of. Um, can we talk a little bit about that today, about if you're a media company, what you should be doing with your core audience? And I know we're always worried about our advertisers, but what should we be doing about our core audiences? Yeah, you know, we had a lot of one-off conversations at the conference, and this is something that we talked to all of our new publishers about as well. Your audience and your readers are your superpower in your market. So the reason advertisers are buying from your publication is because they want to reach those people. And we want to make sure that those people, those readers, those newsletter readers, your social followers, you know, all of the folks that you service on the consumer or the reader side is part of your advertising campaigns. And so we just have been working through with our publishers to make sure that you've got a site pixel, that we've got um, your subscriber list as part of geofencing, right. you know, all of those pieces because that's what your advertisers want. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, and you mentioned it. I mean, um, if you are a media company that does events, you can use this um, to promote your own events, subscriptions. I've got some clients that do reprints. That could work. But then also, as you're saying, making sure um, that your readership and your advertisers, everybody, that core audience is a part of the total audience that's being served just to make sure that nobody is being being left out. I, you know, exactly. um, I know we didn't necessarily chat about this in advance, but I'm just wondering, do, do we see is the effectiveness of programmatic still growing if we plateaued? What are we kind of seeing in terms of mobile delivery and remarketing and things like that? Yeah, it's still growing um, huh. at a pretty good clip. So it's well over 70% of all of the ad impressions across the world are being served on mobile devices. Ah. Um, so mobile is where it is at. And within mobile, because of the functionality of the phone, it opens up a lot of different opportunities for us to help target just the right audience. My favorite is when we do a curated audience, which is a really fancy word for at the individual household level, based off of the makeup of the people in that house, what their interests, their buying behaviors, their demographics are reaching all the different mobile devices, the tablets and the phones in that house. Well, that's awesome. And salespeople out there, I mean, if you're figuring, if you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm just, I mean, I don't know what else to sell. What are we going to do differently? 
or what are we going to sell in 2022 that we didn't sell before? Mm-hmm. Um, that those curated audiences, those are just uh, they're just money. Now, what about though? I'm noticing a ton of recruitment because recruitment advertising. Because now, did I understand correctly? So you can't can no longer do recruitment advertising on Facebook, or what's the situation there? Yeah. So Facebook being very careful because of all the trouble Facebook has gotten in over the last couple of years, basically says that if you're going to run a recruitment ad or anything related to that, you have to expose the ad to everybody in the market. Hmm. So you can't do any targeting around the type of job, the neighborhood, the region of town that you would be hiring from because they feel like it's unequitable. So it's become useless. And what's happened is that we're seeing all of our really savvy salespeople when they're talking to an advertiser and everybody's telling them, hey, you know what? I want to grow, but I'm having trouble finding employees. They immediately say, well, let's make sure we do in a recruitment campaign as part of your overall marketing. And it's working brilliantly because of all the things we just talked about. You can target down to a household level based off of what type of person lives in that house i'm looking for somebody with a college education i'm looking for a nurse i'm looking for right we can find those people yeah the sad part of it all is i don't receive anything from facebook that says hey this isn't working you can't do it like this instead what they keep doing and i don't mind saying it on the podcast it's not that nobody's lying but they're just not telling these folks that this is going on and so i see that a lot of businesses continue to run advertising on facebook that's less and less effective and Mm -hmm. i tell people all the time Social media is not free. I mean, if it was free, Facebook would be out of business. Facebook is a for-profit company. They're not a charity. Facebook and social media are only free if your time is worth nothing. <laughs> you know? And so right. it's just, it's, it's kind of sad. And I have anybody that would qualify their time is worth zero. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I think one of the cool things about all these conversations is that you love to strategize um, with folks about it. So anybody that's listening to the podcast, reach out to Charity. Um, is your email address charity at januaryspring.com? Is that your email address? It is. Yeah. Super easy. Yeah. Reach out to charity at januaryspring.com. Set up a strategy session for 30 minutes or whatever. Uh, pick Charity's brain and she'll get you in alignment. And friends, I'm just seeing my clients making a ton of money. Do you feel like is 2022 the year? Like if you don't have sort of a digital in-house agency where you're selling these kind of services, 2022, let's just call it the year of making sure you get that done. How do you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no argument for me. I have to, I, right, we giggle. But um, a good portion of our publishers hit their 2021 digital goals by this summer because they've just seen such a shift with the advertisers asking for digital first, even before they ask for print. We don't want you to lose out on that money. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. All right, friends. So you've got recruitment to talk to charity about. You've got your core audience, remarketing, retargeting on that. And then, um, you know, she'll be happy to share. I got a little deep and because I just get frustrated with Facebook, um, even as a shareholder, <laughs> um, that, um, you know, she can talk you through that as well. So charity at uh, JanuarySpring.com. So, hey, thanks again for your big support and all the fun that we had uh, in Denver. Great. And I'll see you in D.C. All right, friends and fans, part three of the show today. Part Part three three. (laughs) of the show. Like the third act, like a Shakespearean play, Mike. I think it's uh, it's great Ah. to uh, to have uh, Mike Obert here giving his best uh, Shakespeare uh, impression as we talk through some of your listener questions sent into. I don't even know what to say to that, Ryan. (laughs) I don't even know where to go. The third act. The third act. (laughs) 
Uh, Mike Obert from best, Open Look Business Solutions. <laughs> hey, we always got to have a little fun uh, together. So, Mike, I hope things are, uh, are are going the right direction as we roll towards the end of the year. I assume that you guys are pretty darn busy uh, at Open Look. What's been What's been going on? We are super busy, and our big word is labor. <laughs> We're providing labor, man. So, yes, we are busy. Yeah, I've talked to some folks at the uh, Niche Conference in Denver, and, and a lot of the jobs that they were uh, having trouble hiring for, they were able to outsource some design work and also uh, some appointment setting and, and, and things like that. What's the main kind of work mm. you guys are doing right now? Uh, seems like a lot of uh, digital marketing, uh, social media, uh, those kind of jobs we've been providing for people. So, yeah, we've been super busy. That's great. And for those of you who don't know, I mean, I outsource um, a tremendous amount of work uh, to Mike's team and the folks that I work with at, uh, at OpenLook. So a big uh, shout out to, to Queenie and Crystal and everybody else that's, that's helpful down there. And we even had a program uh, done. Uh, Jordan did the uh, program for the Niche Conference, uh, was our designer. So uh, we're using OpenLook quite a bit, so that's great. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you. Hey, all right, listener questions. Uh, let's see, we got one from Eric, Sharon, and David. Let's kick things off, Mike, with uh, Eric from Idaho. Have you been to Idaho, Mike? I, actually, I have not been to Idaho. I, had, I, I need to go visit Eric in Idaho. Yeah, yeah. So I went to a conference in Boise once. Eric from Idaho asks, hey, Mike and Ryan, uh, first-time listener, big fan. Thanks, Eric. I no I'm noticing that lots, in all capital letters, of my clients want to talk about masks and COVID, the news, etc., and I really want to avoid that topic. Uh, any any advice? Um, <laughs> so my, yeah, I'll tell you what, Mike, why don't you give your thoughts and then I'll give mine. Let's see what you think about this one. <laughs> well, I mean, you are in sales, so you're going to have to maybe talk a little bit about it. But don't give opinions. Get out as fast as you can. <laughs> yeah, I think it was – was it – I don't know if it was grandpa or, or dad or whoever said, you know, don't talk about religion. Uh, don't talk about money. There was something else, religion, money, oh, politics. And politics and politics. Yeah. Um, yes. So, Mike, I've noticed, though, a lot of people do. They'll say, oh, you live in South Carolina. You know, what's going on there with the masks? You know, and, and I usually just try to play the kind of, hey, I'm a middle of the road kind of guy. You know, I just try to kind of purple, you know, just play that card. And right. and um, even though, you know, I'm, I'm not in, in my life when it comes to business, I just never talk about, you know, that kind of, you know, that kind of stuff. What do you think, Mike? I mean, is there any certain time when it's okay? I, I kind of just try to avoid it. I avoid it also. I always, I always, my go-to is like, "Hey, I'm in Texas. Like, it hasn't hit Texas yet." <laughs> right. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I try to avoid. It. I don't want to go anywhere near that topic. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And so, I think there's a bunch of different ways, uh, Eric, that you can, you, you know, you can spin it. I think probably one of the nicest ways is to say, oh, you know, I just really, uh, you know, appreciate you, appreciate you sharing. And, and I'm just really excited to be, sh to talk to you today about blank and just kind of move off of the, move off of the topic. But I think sometimes people just, um, they're, they're cooped up in their home. They maybe they haven't been back to work yet and they just want to talk. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with building, you know, those, uh, those relationships. So, all right, Eric, yeah. I don't know if we were helpful there, but just uh, let's Mike, let's move on off that topic. <laughs> next topic. <laughs> the next, next one, question. Sharon from Baltimore asks, how long of a good one here? How long of a break do you guys give clients between a prospecting blitz? For example, if I work a client for 30 days, how long before I do it again? So, Mike, what I do is I work a client pretty hard for 30 days. Um, actually, my pattern is kind of a five-week pattern. Voicemail, email, wait three business days. Voicemail, email, wait three business days. 
And if you do it three business days, it will basically take you about five weeks. So a little bit more than 30 days. Then I, I give them a 30 day break. Um, but I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's kind of what I do. Mike, what are your thoughts when you're, when you're prospecting? Yeah, I, I think I would go either uh, 30 to 60 days out of talking, knowing, trying to figure out exactly where that customer is and giving them a break. Like, I don't want to be that salesperson that, you know, any, anytime they see your phone call coming in that they don't want to take it because you're just going to try to sell them. Um, I want to have more of a relationship with those type of people. Um, so I'm usually probably 30 to 60 days out after I've gone after somebody pretty hard. Yeah, you know, Sharon, the other thing that I might consider is, your voicemails and your emails should be positioned as you being a helpful person. So if you're always trying to sell somebody something, to Mike's point, you're seen as a salesperson. I try to position my emails and my voicemails as, hey, I'm here to help you. I've got some ideas to help you. And what that does for me is it just positions me more as a helper than a salesperson. And so I think that's a good route to go as well. So it sounds like Mike and I are in agreement there. Um, give them a yes. break. Hey, how about this though, Mike? I... And you've had salespeople for years that you've managed. I like to trade accounts. So, Sharon, if I was in your office, um, you know, being the the resident dude on the sales team, I would trade with you because I know people that, you know, they want to buy from a certain, you know, some, let me just say it. I mean, some men won't buy from men. Some men only want to buy from women. Some men don't want to buy and vice versa. So, I mean, you might have a different tone, a different cadence. I'm kind of silly. You might be serious. So I'm a big fan of trading accounts every 30 days oh, if I prospect I like them well. That. What do you what do you think, Mike? Yeah, no, I like that. I like that idea. Some people are sports minded, some people aren't, and uh, yeah, people like to buy from people that they like. So um, yeah, that's a, that's a great that's a, that's a great thing to do. I've got a few teams, Mike. You might like this. Um, I've got a few sales teams. What we do is uh, every quarter, we'll everybody every salesperson brings to the boardroom, if you will, ten accounts they've worked really hard. And then we set it up like the NFL draft. So the salesperson that's doing the worst um, gets to pick first. We put all these accounts in the middle of a table or up on a board. Maybe have some pizza um, and salad or whatever. And we do like a like a bit of an NFL draft. And then the, la the worst performing salesperson gets to go and say, all right, I want these five. And so those of you that don't know, so the worst performing team in the NFL – um, when it comes draft time, they get to have the first pick, basically. That's the Jets? Not, not exa exactly. That's not exactly what happens. But um, but um, then they get to go first, which I think really is a fun way to potentially do it. And that stops yeah. the number one salesperson from always getting the best picks. You know? Right. Um, oh, that's a great idea. So that's awesome. That could, be a, that could be a fun thing, too. So, all right, Sharon, good luck uh, on that. All right, David from Spokane. He's got this question. Um, hey, Mike and Ryan, is there a perfect meeting format? What are the differences between how you guys host meetings? So, Mike, I'll let you take that one first. What is your perfect meeting format? So what I like to do, I don't like to give people my material up front. Mm. So if you've got your media kit or your magazine or something that you're you're selling, I like to keep it to myself and then give them one little piece at a time. Because I found if you give your whole media kit, if you give them all your material, they start going through it and looking at it and they're not paying attention to you. So I like to kind of control my meetings by giving them just little bits and pieces at a time. That's great. That's a great advice. I um, My format always starts with validating time. Um, goes back to my Sandler sales days, sales training days. So I start off with um, David like, hey, David, thanks for the 20 minutes. Do you still have 20 minutes? I feel like it psychologically kind of sets him at ease. Let's him know that I'm on the clock. 
Then I always set an agenda, which I never have more than three items in the agenda. And then as everybody that listens to the podcast knows, the third thing I do, I just start into success stories. So whatever you're selling, whether it's software or media or insurance or whatever, my third thing right out of the gate is logo soup. I put up the logos of the companies I'm working with or talk about the people that I'm working with. It, ethical, ethically, obviously. Right. Uh, then I get into the questions and the customer needs assessment and you know, that kind of thing. But Mike, I, I love the fact that you kind of spoon feed it to them because you're right. If they have the deck, they're just going to flip through it and they're going to go to the last page, which is where the price is. <laughs> exactly. So yes. I, I think that's an important piece you know, of the puzzle. So good questions uh, from Eric, Sharon and, and David. And hey, Eric, I just want you to know we're not like poking fun at your question, um, but, you know, just important for us to stay, uh, stay neutral especially these days uh, in a political climate, as we're seeing, you know, across the across the country. Hey, Mike, what's the best way for folks to reach out to you? I know you love to strategize with people on how you can save them a bunch of money by outsourcing. What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Mike at open-look.com. Awesome. That's and, great. Uh, yeah, we'll talk all about labor. Yeah, awesome. All right, friends. Well, I appreciate you, Mike. And uh, thanks, everybody, for uh, being a part of the podcast and uh, listening every month. Uh, we had a record month here the last couple of months, seven, 8,000 downloads of the podcast. And it's all because of, uh, of all of you that are listening and because of the great answers that Mike Obert from Open Look Business Solutions gives every month. So thanks, Mike. Thanks, Ryan, man. I love it. And that is the show, friends, for this month. Thanks so much for being here. We've got another podcast straight ahead. If you don't even press pause or fast forward, the next podcast is all going to be about new business development, more listener questions, and uh, and things like that. Hey, I would love to speak uh, at your sales conference. We'd love to speak at your national sales meeting, virtual or live. I'm back on the road, fully vaccinated, masking up and traveling all across the country. So love to come in and speak to your group there. If we can be of help to you, please reach out ryandorn.com, email address ryan at ryandorn.com. And if you're interested in the Niche Media Conference or the Media Sales Academy or the CEO Summit, head on over to nichemediaevents.com. nichemediaevents.com is where you'll find that. All right, friends, that's the show for the month. Don't forget, if sales was easy, everybody be doing it. And they're not. We're not crazy, friends. We are the chosen few. We found careers that'll feed our families for a lifetime. As always, friends, thank you so much for your support. We sure appreciate you very, very much. All right, friends, another straight, uh, another great show straight ahead, so stick around for that. Otherwise, we will see you next month. Take care. God bless. Bye-bye.